What are you trying to tell me? That I can dodge bullets? No, Neo. I'm trying to tell you that when you're ready, you won't have to. We got trouble. Okay. Here goes. If you immediately know the candlelight is fire, then the meal has been cooked a long time ago. Boy, that sounds like the writer Robert C. Cooper trying to confuse Colonel Jack O'Neill, doesn't it? And it works spectacularly. It's the wonderful episode, Maternal Instinct, where we get our first glimpse at the wonders of the ascended afterlife where it's just party and lightning and lighting candles all the time <laughs> welcome to the podcast my name is andrew um we're getting all the way to the end of season three now two more to go it's been a wonderful season definitely my favorite so far definitely better than the first two um it might even be better than the next. I don't know. I, I guess I tend to think of Stargate as kind of a bell curve. The the beginning ones and the end ones kind of low, and then it peaks right around the middle. So season three, we're really ramping right into it. And this episode is, uh, I can't say like it's paced very well or like plotted all that well. Um, I, this uh, It's the first one directed by Peter West, who is usually the director of photography for like all of Stargate, occasionally a camera operator and occasionally a director. Um, and he's very kind of standard, old-fashioned season one kind of mentality, style. Um, it's a bit plodding, a bit walking us through every step. Um, but you know what, in this one, it's got so much good stuff, I don't even care, <laughs> I don't even really notice, and it's kind of appropriate. Um, oh my gosh, Daniel Jackson, his first, his first, uh, brush with Omar Dasala, who is gonna be his best bud in the universe really soon. Spoiler alert, sorry, 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 I won't spoil it, but, um, oh my god, to see them meet again, it's, I'd forgotten how warm and gooey this episode makes me, and all the stuff with the monk. It just makes me feel good inside, like there's hope <laughs> for this shithole. By the way, it's uh, June 2020, and the world is tearing itself apart. Coronavirus is raging across the rest of the world. Not in New Zealand. We've eradicated it, because we're the fucking leaders of the free world. Humble brag. But, uh, yeah, then there's all the uh, Black Lives Matter protests. Oh, boy. This one is like a Stargate religion. Stargate telling us that everything's going to be good if you just put aside the hate in your heart. So let's get through the uh, the plot. What's happening? It's a uh, dialing emergency in unauthorized incoming wormhole. And who is it? It's special code number two, which is Braytech. So we got five points in this episode for Tech Marte Master Braytech, our beloved guest star. 
for that matter, maybe I should start thinking about um, giving five points for Omar. She's a beloved guest star, although different actresses. This one is the different actress from the other one that we see. Um, anywho, um, Braytac, you know, whenever someone comes through the gate in the pre-credits, you know what they're going to say. They're going to say, please help me, or they're going to say, I have to warn you. <laughs> and in this case, it's please help. Um, Chulak has been attacked by a puffist. And it's a push and swell point there. Um, and at this point, I was thinking, oh, maybe I've remembered the name of this episode wrong, and this maternal instinct... Uh, maybe it's another fucking excuse to go and check on Tilk's wife and his son. <laughs> We're just going to walk around Chulak again for 40 minutes. Uh, not quite. No, not quite. <laughs> it starts off as kind of a Jaffa episode, but then transitions real hard into uh, an O'Neill not understanding things episode. And then a Daniel Jackson episode. Like, hell. I mean, this is... Apart from maybe Torment of Tantalus, this is the Daniel Jackson episode at the end when Jack's like, uh, we have to leave, we gotta go, we are out of time. And he's like, don't you see, we have to stay. Daniel's like, this is a repeat of the meaning of life stuff moment. You know, he he's it's that important to him. And indeed it is, it's the exact same, because he's dealing with the ancients, he doesn't know it's the ancients, but they are one of the... Omar, who he meets here, is one of the people who left the writing in the uh, the United Nations of the Stars on Heliopolis in that episode. Anywho, where did I get to? One point for the front gate stock footage, guys. Straight after the credits, the first line is, Son of a bitch! Apophis is still alive. <laughs> this poor guy, Moak, who's the... Pretender apprentice to Braytac. We all know it should be uh, Teal till the day I die. He's dying. He's dead. The doctor is not going to say there's nothing wrong with him. There's no points for that today, I'm afraid. Um, Braytac is talking, but he needs to retire from this life. Tech Mate, Master Braytac, retired! <laughs> and he wants Tilk to be the new younger leader. The time is nearly here for his printer. He's talking about all of that. He's an old man, which is, it's only been two years since we met him when he was saying, I am 130, what was it, 133, and I could still break you in half like kindling. And then he bites Daniel Jackson's hand. <laughs> and now he's saying like, ooh, me bones. <laughs> my, my tricky knee is acting up again. Um, so, turns out a little bit of deductive detective work. Uh, this Apophis slaughtering his home planet. It wasn't actually a massacre. It was a search for the boy. And as is known in Jafar legend, <laughs> this elusive Kib place we haven't been able to find is in fact the hiding place. Um, then and Braytag know it knows it because. This other coincidental tale where Osiris hid from Seth. We haven't met Osiris yet! God, she is the sexiest gold in the universe. <laughs> What's her name? Sarah? Someone? I can't wait to get to those episodes. <laughs> anyway, Osiris. <laughs> um, some interesting look at the, looks at the 
the Stargate dialing computer where yellow addresses are from the gold cartouche on Abydos and red are ones from the ancient repository of knowledge. Um, so therefore red ones should probably be the priority because they're like, uh, may have stuff that the gold don't know about. Anyway, we've got to push and swell point because, uh, that's it. We found it. We found the, the address. So SG-2 are left by the gate once we get to Keb, and uh, you kind of can see the setup there that they're going to be toast. Like, in most story, story writing formulas, <laughs> the, the people who were just introduced for this episode and are left behind to guard something important, they're going to get wiped out, and there's going to be a red shirt situation, but it actually doesn't come to that in this episode. Um... Teal'c and Braytac go completely Aragorn on the tracking down the party of eight Jafar and one woman whose hands were not bound because she was carrying the child in the open-toe sandals. A hobbit lay here. And the other. get a push and swell point because O'Neill says, so we are not the first. And uh, a weird raven attacks Daniel, which is sort of anticipating again in the grand tradition of Stargate anticipating everything for the next 25 years. Um, Game of Thrones, the three-eyed raven that shows up and shows the way mystically is it's like I was getting this a little bit confused in my memory. I was like, oh, hang on, is Omar living in the Raven and watching them all or something like that? But I was confused. It was the episode Spirits, where Zales is my f my friend. He's a good god to us. you got a demon inside you. That guy. <laughs> um, Tornane. Yeah, so this Raven is just a plain old scavenger that's eating these, <laughs> these bodies, <laughs> these crispy fried bodies. Did you order original recipe or extra crispy? And uh, at the beginning of this episode, it's quite funny that, like I said, it's set up as a Teal'c and Braytac episode, a Jafar episode, and SG-1 are just tagging along, trying to put in some little bit of input, you know, one line here and there. How do you know that? Where are we going? What's over here? And... They're, like, just way behind the two Jafar masters who are racing out ahead. <laughs> and that's always funny to see. Um, anyway, we discover stupid CGI buildings off in the distance, suspiciously similar-looking to Chulak in the middle of the forest. Dasala. Name dropped by the monk. That means nature or something. And um, I gave it ten wildcard points because Daniel unlike the others, <laughs> is curious, sits down and begins his journey to enlightenment, and I won't spoil the rest of it, but boy, I want to, and if you watch Stargate before, particularly season 5 Meridian, season 6, season 7, you know all the good stuff that's going to happen with Daniel Jackson and these uh, ascended aliens. It's a hell of a storyline, and um, just as an aside, I do love season six with the addition of that character, Jonas Quinn. I really love what they did with it. I think the ascended beings 
whole arc is really, really amazing. Um, and a, at this exact moment, a very, very welcome distraction from, oh, another gold is becoming powerful. Okay, another system lord thing. All right. Yeah. But anyway, at the end of the season, we're coming up real soon. There's another great distraction from the gold being the bad guys. As you all know, small victories. Anyway, anyway, uh, like Daniel says, I think this is going to take a while. Yeah, it's going to take uh, two more seasons, bro, <laughs> before you get the, the hang of this ascended stuff. Tilk, he sees ghost spirits running around in the water or something, and you know it's really uh, <laughs> happening because the music is tinkling away like we're back in season one, letting the music carry the entire fucking episode. Tinkle, tinkle. There are dead things. Dead faces in the water. And then uh, Braytac decides, yeah, I'm not ready for this. You know, it's nice to know it's here, and I'll be back. You can be sure of that. It's nearly time, but not quite time yet. What do we say to the god of death? Not today. And uh, he he leaves, and he's he's all, come, Tilk, we have false gods to slay. And I just want to see him whap on some sunglasses and play some fucking rock and roll music right there. <laughs> Teal'c and Braytac, we have false gods to slay. And, uh, <laughs> but of course, in the grand tradition of every Jafar episode, we get really good broad daylight close-ups of Braytac's Jafar serpent guard costume, the stupid, stupid fabric, foamy, flappy, soft, bendy, Stupid costume that does not look in any way like plate armor, chainmail links. He's not carrying the weight of it. It's like fucking neoprene. <laughs> and the when he comes out, he's carrying his boots. Remember, he had to take off his shoes. Put nothing but no barriers between you and where you are. And he's carrying his boots, and they're clearly very slightly modified gum boots with like floppy plastic they're not they haven't got armor built into the front of them like they're supposed to look like they do with all that spiky steel stuff or at least steel colored anyway daniel in the meantime is ready to sit in the freaking pit and open his mind <laughs> <laughs> and uh with the the fire um you know the monks teasing him like i meant put it out with your mind blow it out with your mind shanks actually smiles and michael shanks has a really like unique looking smile on his face when he really is happy and i gotta say i'm not like an actual fan of michael shanks i think he's he, he and I are very, very different personality types from everything I've seen. 
And uh, sometimes I just like want to wipe the smile off his face, like he's a bit smarmy and taking the piss, like he's above me or something. Like that's the attitude I get from him. Like he's above all of us. He's so much too good for this. Anyway, I just I'm just saying I can see him like actually smiling. And uh, you know what? Daniel Jackson never fucking smiles like that. Daniel Jackson never loses himself. Because he's always focused on the mission, focused on the most important thing the galaxy has ever done since we opened the Stargate. He never just sits there and, like, loses his shit and, like, smiles with his eyes, if you can put it that way, and, like, screws up his whole face and, like, everything. Because he's always, you know, Shanks is an actor, he's always working. Whenever Daniel Jackson smiles, it's always, like, staring meaningfully without blinking into the camera and some local guy says, you are welcome here. And he goes, hi, I'm Daniel Jackson. And it's like a weird smile, like a put on smile. You know, I just noticed that Shanks just loses it and actually smiles and cracks up at the monk when he says, I meant put out the candle, blow out the candle with your mind, fool. Um, Anyway, do not believe that you can light the candle. Believe that she can light the candle. All right, I'm cooler than you are. Why don't you fix your little problems and light this candle? He's right. Let's light this candle. He surely is. Light the candle. Yes. Resume the countdown. And it's the first information dropping, even though this monk is very hard to get information out of, about, uh... Uh... Ascending to a higher plane, and we, we learn it because, of course, O'Neill knows nothing and it has to have it all explained to him, just in case we weren't able to follow the fucking 2 plus 2 is 4 with what Daniel was learning. We have to learn it through the stupidest person's eyes and ears. Thank you for spelling everything out for us, Stargate. <laughs> Daniel Jackson, he can't convince Jack with the whole meaning of life stuff speech again. And then someone picks up Jack O'Neill's gun. Whoa. And that's the only thing that gets O'Neill's attention. Yeah, Daniel knows that. That's why he does it. <laughs> he only respects, like, weaponry and stuff. <laughs> um, and Daniel says, uh, actually, I did that. And... Um, Basically, there's the start. He goes on into it a little bit more. He goes down the rabbit hole, you know, saying, we should stay. I can do this. I can do that. It's a Daniel Jackson goes dark side. Ten points. He goes mad with power. Not totally mad, but for like five or ten minutes in this episode, he's all like, holy shit. I have these magical abilities to get revenge on the gold. Think of all the wonderful, disgusting harm I can do with this power. We have to stay and get more power, Jack. <laughs> um, interesting to see Daniel Jackson run off on another one of his power trips. I do love how they do that. <laughs> anyway, it wouldn't be a Stargate mystery. It wouldn't be a Stargate planet or an opportunity without a ticking clock danger 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 warning will robinson there are death gliders coming and a hot full of 2000 troops coming and um samantha carter by the way has said literally two words in this episode uh which is a nice change from techno babble to be honest this is a daniel jackson anthro babble 
<laughs> that's fine once in a while. But now Carter has to set up claymores and stuff, and she has a little skeptical moment, like, there's got to be something else here. Like, <laughs> you know those uh, seances they used to run in the 1800s? Like, there's tricks and magic and trapdoors and smoke and mirrors and shadows and hidden threads and thumb tips, <laughs> palming cards. You gotta look behind the curtain, Daniel. There's no, you don't have the power, believe me. You're not a psychic. And it's nice that she says that, and it's a good sort of two lines that she has, but uh, it would have been nice to have a little bit more of a Socratic thing going on. What if in this episode we cut out all the walking around, all the talking, all of the nonsense, <laughs> all of the 2 plus 2 equals 4, and had an extra 10-minute boost in the middle where Daniel Jackson goes way down the rabbit hole, way mad with power, and Carter has to come in and, like, try and keep him sane and try really, 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 really hard to prove him wrong. That would be, that would be more interesting than all of the Jafar stuff, to be quite honest with you. Um, and, the, <laughs> and of course, some amazing opportunities for Richard Dean Anderson to just shine <laughs> in this episode uh, with all of the stuff that O'Neill wouldn't, couldn't possibly understand about enlightenment. You know, to O'Neill, enlightenment is fishing <laughs> and watching Star Wars with a pizza or something. No, that's not correct. O'Neill hadn't seen Star Wars. I'm spoiler. I'm ranting about something that hasn't happened for like two years yet. Anyway, um, <laughs> O'Neill with all that stuff, like the mugs saying, "Time means nothing when you ah 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 da, da, don't say it." <laughs> and I always love when O'Neill does the ah. <laughs> so, um, yes, Daniel Jackson, I don't quite follow the story point of how he figures it out, but he figures it out that he can actually walk through the wall, <laughs> and now it's like crossing over into Matrix territory, and I did kind of think about whether this is referencing the Matrix, whether, you know, this episode now, season three, it has been made just after the movie The Matrix came out. Um, is it long enough for The Matrix, you know, like a matter of months, is it long enough for The Matrix to attain that cult status that influences everything that comes after it, you know, all the movies and philosophies and TV shows and action scenes that get made after The Matrix that are copying it. Is this one of them? Is it? I was a little bit undecided on that. Um, I'll put it, put off that decision for now. Anyway, Daniel Jackson, he walks through the wall and um, finds a big light. Big oh, that's right. The big light comes and approaches him. We only see it in the reflection of his glasses. And it's Omar de Sala, Mother Nature. Or as we know her, <laughs> an ascended being, remnant of the Alterans. <sighs> Guys, the Jafar are surrounding the camp. They're marching into offensive positions. Colonel O'Neill looks out at the, the tactical position and he says one word, Dole. 
<laughs> it's a Simpsons reference. 50 points. Yes. <laughs> I'm so glad that this episode, one of the best, one of the best, is getting high points. High, high points. So anyway, blah, 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 blah. It's going to be a special, special, special O'Neill. <laughs> it's going to be a Colonel O'Neill special forces gunfight operation at the end. That's how they're setting up the episode. You know, we do this all the time. The last 10 minutes of the episode is just, okay, we're going in. Move, move, move. <laughs> and I love that line. And again, the repressed anger towards Daniel comes out. Carter, if we get out of this, remind me to harm Daniel severely. <laughs> um, and then that's what, harkening back to that episode. Was it one false step? Past and present, maybe. If Carter, if we ever get out of this, next time Daniel <laughs> says to trust him, remember, what does it remind me to kick him swiftly or something like that? Oh my gosh, my brain is going. I only watched that like two weeks ago. Anyway, blah, blah, the, the, um, the Jafar Sokar's dudes all arrive and, uh, they kill the monk in the standoff. He says, you're not welcome. So with that monk dying, I gave that one point for a red shirt cause yeah, he's the guy that we know and love, and we think if he's all-powerful, there's no way he's going to die. And then he does, and it's like, oh shit, SG-1's really in trouble here. Even this all-powerful dude can't defend himself. That definitely counts as a red shirt. But um, meanwhile, Daniel Jackson, in great Daniel Jackson style, has gone full dark side and come all the way back around and realized that he needs to be humble here before this amazing, powerful alien that's in the room with him. Um, he realizes, ah, oh, I didn't do a damn thing. It was you. I am puny. You are godlike. Bobby, can I ask you a question? Is it goth? <clears throat> a sphincter says what? <laughs> I said, a sphincter says what you want me to say what like i don't get it is that it <laughs> that it? oh dear last guy didn't get okay last guy didn't get you big you big we small small so we better go yeah where are you going england daniel jackson says something that not not a lot of men say <laughs> in TV or in real in the real world, I was wrong. And that's why we love Daniel Jackson, is that he's man enough to say that. And um, so he walks out doing the whole uh, walking, surrendering, walking into the gunfire. And uh, it's a great little moment there. Jack, if you're ever going to trust me on anything, now is the time. <laughs> Remember that giant alien we saw with the wink, wink, lightning fried bodies? <laughs> um, and I just thought that's a little bit like uh, <laughs> Jack Sparrow. May I ask you something? Have I ever given you reason not to trust me? Do us a favor. I know it's difficult for you. But please, stay here. 
and try not to do anything stupid. And then boom, bolts of lightning from the sky. Yeah, this alien is awesome. I love her all-powerful lightning strikes on the wicked. Bit like Raiders of the Lost Ark, eh? And then, of course, the monk ascends with the help of Omar. He releases his burdens and stuff. And Omar and Daniel share a look. And then, whew, gone. They're best buds. They're going to be reunited at last. And it feels so good. Later on, season five, 48 hours in Meridian. Two-parter. Um, and then it's just a classic, let's go home. And putting the button on it on the end, Daniel Shoes. Ooh, this is a good, 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 good episode. It's very moving, and even more so when you know what's coming. Again, no spoilers for you people who are doing the first watch through. But for me, very emotional to see it all begin right here. So, adding up the points, I make it 80. And then, I decided with all of the references to the Matrix, with the lightning from the sky, from the gods killing all the Nazis, from Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark, reference to, um, what did O'Neill say? Someone's been reading Martha Stewart. With all the references, I'm going to max out the reference points at 10, which means another 10 means this episode is 90 points, and it is now the number one highest scoring episode I have ever done so far. It is Ergo is next on 89 points. Oh. Yes, I'm very glad it's this one. And now I'm actually kind of wondering, ooh... What's the first episode that's going to break a hundred points? I wonder if any of them exist. Let's be honest, it's probably going to be Wormhole Extreme. <laughs> with all of the cameos and the behind-the-scenes shit in that episode. <laughs> it's probably where that's going to come in. But, uh, number one spot. Maternal Instinct, Season 3. This was so good. Thank you, guys. It's good to be doing these for you. Thanks for listening. Catch us next time. What is it? Crystal Skull? Mmm. We're so close to the end of season three. Moving on!